0: Exploring late diagnosis ADHD. That's what we're doing on today's show. Yay. and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 332. And shortly, I will be recording my own personal show on late diagnosis ADHD and unpacking it a little more thoroughly, uh, now that I've had more of a chance to actually unpack it myself. Uh, And Today, though, I wanted to have my good friend and colleague, Jules Galloway, a naturopath, a herbalist, a practitioner for over 20 years now, who has actually received the diagnosis herself, and we both have the combined type diagnosis, and we're both in our 40s, and uh, I really wanted to just have a chat with her, see a little bit about why she sought a diagnosis, what she's trying, how she's thinking about it, and I interject and share a few of my own thoughts and feelings. And I just want to preface today's show by saying this is not a show with medical advice. This is not a show to suggest that you do or you do not have ADHD if you're listening to it. It's also not a show with uh, uh, medical Uh, Stanny, if you know what I mean. So neither of us are psychiatrists or psychologists, the two health professionals who are tasked with diagnosing people. And so we are really having this conversation in the context of two people freshly exploring what life is like when you know something about yourself that you always had spidey senses around growing up, you know, I feel different or why can't I just sit down and do that or some of the, the constant shame for not being able to do basic things and yet, on the other hand, often being able to do incredible things if you were allowed to play solely in your areas of interest. So Jules and I really talk about some of the aspects of uh, grief Um, and longing to wish you could go back in time and say to that little person, this is not your fault, Uh, but also some really positive aspects to uh, very openly and both compassionately talking about medication. I don't talk about my medication uh, trying um, or exploration in this particular chat. I'll unpack that more in the individual show that I do because I know I've had a lot of questions around that and one just assumes, oh, you know, you're the queen of low tox, like as if you would ever take something like that, and then people feeling bad that, They are doing all these good low-tox things and then they're taking ADHD meds. I never want anyone to feel bad on my watch. There is no judgment. And those of you who've been around for a long time, listening to the show, being a part of the social media community, you know that about me. Uh, So I really urge you to not take anything that we say today as uh, fact in terms of how it relates to science, what we know about ADHD. We both do share some interesting research facts and names of health professionals that we've looked at and into as we've been diagnosed, as we've explored what this world is to know this about oneself. And I'm also more and more arriving at a part of comfort in saying what we do know is there are neurodivergent brains, and to a certain extent, those can't be changed, shouldn't be changed, and you know should start to be celebrated for what is going on that other people can't do that they can do. I mean, hello, where is that fantastic world of appreciation? But there are also negative aspects that frustrate both the ADHD individual and those around them, that can be modulated to a certain extent through lifestyle factors. Uh, And I talk about this with Jules. I know for a fact if I hit that really good protein-rich breakfast, I fare better in the day. I find it less hard to get on with simple tasks that I would normally procrastinate over or get foggy around. Uh, and so you can still, with any diagnosis, give yourself the best chance of operating from whatever that is. That I firmly believe. And that stops you from being in victim mode. And there's plenty of comfort in victims connecting with each other and all talking about how bad everything is. Uh, and while uh, I appreciate that As an underserved community, especially people who are diagnosed late in life, uh, we should have a huge amount of compassion for how freaking tough some of the aspects of ADHD have been, especially when, you know, I was a 16-year-old and I had no idea that there were ways that I could modulate. Uh, And, you know, if I made sure I got some exercise in walking to school instead of taking the bus, I might have been able to focus a bit better because of the dopamine generation in that activity. So huge amounts of compassion while at the same time being really responsible and taking personal responsibility for the things that we can hit and work on that mean we have less of a hard time of it with the brain we have. That's where I'm tending to arrive in all this. Uh, Whether or not, of course, you are then aided by medication, supplements, other therapies uh, in your support plan. So uh, as I said, I, I'm not set in stone with any of my thinking and I think uh, neuroscience is so nascent. Uh, it, you know, it's a drop in the ocean of time um, and we're going to learn more and more and more. But I would love a world where we celebrate each other's differences, an education system that starts to work harder on understanding how different children uh, learn and how uh, to get the best out of our kids and give them the best for them. Uh, and I think that's that's really something we can all overlap on and appreciate. So I'm going to jump into that conversation. In a little minute, if you're not familiar with Jules's work, please head to the show notes. I've got her details. She's a wonderful naturopath, and we've had her in the club membership a couple of times. Uh, we ran a fantastic inflammation masterclass with our members. If you're not familiar with the club, just Google Lotox Life Club, and you'll get the details there to join. It's only forty nine dollars a year, and um, we run fantastic Q and As and and really great um, have a really great support chat group as well. Um, so that's Jules, and of course, running a show every week can't be done without our sponsors. A big shout out to Oz Climate, our major sponsor uh, this year. You have 10% off uh, their range of dehumidifiers and air purifiers. This one's just for the Aussies, but if you are listening to this in the month of May 2023, then you are very lucky, Aussies, because. With our code on top of the crazy multi-buy offers they have in their website at the moment, it's practically two for one. So if you have a large open plan or an upstairs-downstairs and you'd benefit from getting two air filters of the same size or two dehumidifiers of the same size, hop to the OzClimate.com.au website and make sure you use your LOTOX Life Code for the extra 10% off because that will make the multi-buy offers they've got this month practically two for one. You could also say to a family member or friend, as I've done, uh, hey, do you need an extra appliance? Because we do. And uh, if you get one and I get one, I'll get them delivered here and we can catch up for a coffee. Uh, That'll make it really, really cheap. So life is your code, 10% off the already discounted prices on their website and for the month of May their multi-buy offers make it a ridiculously good idea to make now the time that you get them. And if you live somewhere with quite a cool climate coming into winter here in Australia, then the Cool Seasons uh, descant Dehumidifier, uh, Russell, the lead technician and co-founder, actually prefers to call them an all-seasons dehumidifier because they still work in the heat. Uh, It's just that they do better to take damp out of the air in the cooler seasons as well. So I'm thinking Victoria, Tassie, some parts of uh, inland, New South Wales and Queensland where it gets really cold overnight and you get that dewiness and you get that propensity for condensation inside the windows, then you might want to look at that particular unit as well. Okay, so of course we always have a second offer for you guys and I love this one because it's international. It's from my good friend Daniel and his amazing business, Block Blue Light, and you have 15% off all month of May. Life 15 is your code and 15% off is a good whack. So if you've been looking at something like, Uh, replacing all your light bulbs with their full spectrum light bulb or the Sweet Dreams light bulbs just for the evenings if that's when you tend to use light. I love those because they fully block the blue light and we've had them for years. Uh, Or if you're looking to get a red light panel, you know, you're a sporty person or you're working on your mitochondria, maybe there's an autoimmune condition in the family, Uh, red light therapy is fantastic and I shared some of the research as to why it's been an integral part of my broken foot recovery last week, um, then uh, using 15% off to get one of those red light panels is a fantastic chunk off the the price. So you can head to blockbluelight.com.au and, as I said, it's an international offer. So that will work no matter where you are in the world. They ship worldwide and it's a fantastic brand Uh, we had a great giveaway that's done now. So if you haven't won yet and you haven't been notified, then you now have till the end of May to make the most of their fantastically generous offer. Uh, another shout out to one of my favorite, favorite, favorite items in their range is the blackout sleep mask. I use it when I travel. I use it at home. If you live in the city and there's a lot of ambient light, even when you've got everything closed, Uh, It's a fantastic uh, uh, light mitigator so that you can really have the best chance at quality sleep and uh, it's so comfy on the eyes because it doesn't touch your eyelids so it gives you space to breathe. Um, Well, your eyelids space to breathe. I don't know. Do they need to breathe? It feels better. (laughs) That's all I know. It's a really, really good mask. So that's the 100% blackout sleep mask. It's so good. Uh, Check out the website and enjoy that 15% off. And of course, enjoy this show. I really can't wait to hear what you think. A reminder not to judge us. We're not judging anyone else. It's all very exploratory territory for us as we are women in our forties looking at our entire lives through the lens of this fresh information. I always think it's better that we know ourselves fully uh, and these diagnoses uh, often serve to actually help us live our lives to the fullest with, you know, whatever cards you've been dealt but whatever also you can then more effectively modulate in your favour and uh, that's been a really exciting part of all of this uh, amidst some of the more – you know, sad and and grievous aspects of, of, gee, someone, if someone could have helped me when I was a teenager, then this could have been very different. That's done now. You can't change what's in the past. You can only get excited about what's in your future. That's my motto for all things low tox as well. And, uh, and that's certainly the, um, the headspace I'm in on this journey too. enjoy guys. Jules Galloway. Hello. (laughs) Hello. It's so great to be back. I am excited to have you back on the show. We've done a couple of masterclasses in the um, membership over the last couple of years, but the last time I had you on the podcast... We were talking about pyrols, and I think it was literally seven years ago. Oh, my God.
1: So right? much has changed since. Don't anyone go back and listen to that? It's all changed since then. <laughs> it has. <laughs> I was thinking about that.
0: I, 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 you know, what we now know about those deficiency clusters and it's just fascinating to, to reflect and to now move forward. Um, so I might actually just start there. If someone came to you today and seven years ago you would have run a pyrol panel, what would you do today instead and why?
1: I would probably go straight to just checking the zinc and copper and not worry about giving a label to it quite so much. And these days when, I mean, some people still want to investigate for pyrols and it's like, well, if you want to if you want to do a cryptopyrrol test, like, you know, I'll do it. But I don't need the results of that in order to do my job at my end effectively anymore. And also the latest thinking around pyrrole disorder that I've been seeing around the traps is that there's a lot of oxidative stress involved and we need to be addressing that in order to get the pyrrole countdown. And a lot of that is working through the gut. So mm-hmm. back to Naturopathy 101, heal the gut and then see what gets better. So, yeah, we, we always end up coming full circle and I still, it's funny, I still get a lot of people come to me going, oh, I found you because I Googled pyral disorder and I was like, okay, okay. It, this might not go exactly the way you were expecting it, but don't worry, like the results are there. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how we progress and change over time. Like I get a bit cringy at some of my old adrenal fatigue podcasts and interviews. And and I look at that and I think, oh, should I take that down? It's like, no, no, because like we're always learning and always progressing. And I think it's good to, to keep it up there. But yeah, sometimes it can be a bit cringy.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, it just speaks to the fact that often in science, in moments in science, we think, oh, all these people have these symptoms and it correlates to all of them having this group of manganese B6, uh, zinc deficiency. Right. And so let's give it a name, but actually, you know, kind of like, uh, low cortisol, uh, doesn't always need a name. Why do we have low cortisol? Let's Try and figure that out first. And What's
1: going to happen with ADHD, Alex?
0: mm, I don't know.
1: I really don't know. (laughs) Seven years from now, we're going to be sitting here like, oh, that time we did that ADHD chat.
0: Gee, we've learned a lot since then. (laughs) Well, I think it will be, Jules, because, you know, as we started digging, we both had a diagnosis or or even just decided to pursue one, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, at around the same time. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God I've got a friend doing this at the same time. How good. Uh, But what I kept uncovering and then we kept messaging each other was like, ooh, there's a pretty strong neuroinflammation correlation here. There's a pretty strong uh, history of trauma here. Uh, And uh, when you have these issues, you present with these uh, nervous system dysregulation symptoms Mm -hmm. and so many of them overlap with ADHD. Oh,
1: look, we've all been diagnosed with pyrol disorder in the past. How funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, we've had gut issues. Oh, hello, friend.
0: Yes. So (laughs) I, I don't think we can lay claim to anything at this point in time because neuroscience is so juvenile as well. Like, we're really talking only the 1980s that it significantly started to ramp up. That is a very small amount of time that we've been studying the brain uh, in in any meaningful way to produce paper after paper like we we've seen unravel since. So, so yeah, who knows, right? But I want to take it right back to what I just said about seeking a diagnosis because there there must have been a reason for you. i I'll share mine, but um, why don't you go first?
1: Okay. So as a health practitioner, I, as soon as I realized what was going on, I wanted the full experience of everything. So it, it all started because my, my beautiful husband found out at like, what was he, age 49, 50? He found out first. He got his diagnosis of ADHD first. And I started to tweak because I was sitting in on his screening tests and things. So the, there is a, a, an appointment with a psychologist as part of the process where you can have a family member or partner sit in. And they, they want that because they want the, the outside perspective of someone close to you. And so I was the person. And when they were asking questions about James, I was in my head answering them for myself as well. I was like, oh, shit, it's me too. This is me. This is me. This is Oh. So I could have, I, at that time, it was interesting. I wasn't interested in trying medication. I wasn't medication curious at that point. That changed later, spoiler alert. So I still wanted to seek out a diagnosis because I thought, I can see this becoming part of my practice. I can see this becoming something that I speak about online, in seminars. I'm going to attract these these clients into my practice. I want the full experience so that I can speak from that place and say, like, I've been through it. I have got, you know, I've I've done the process myself. I know what you're going through because I've been there. And also I can speak from that place saying, look, I'm I'm a card carrying member of your neurodiversity <laughs> gang.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And did you was it were there struggles? Uh, that had like, because I think about my own diagnosis and it was definitely cracks that no longer were healed by Band-Aids and there was three really significant moments. Was it the same for you?
1: Uh, You don't have to share
0: anything personal if you don't want. Oh, um.
1: no, I'm going to overshare from way back, mate. You know that. (laughs) yes (laughs) yes <laughs> cracks that are that cracks that are not healed by band-aids is actually a really good way of of putting it I just I, I did feel the same way like I had just been pushing shit uphill for such a very 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 long time and I had been trying to supplement and and herb and naturopath my way out of it I tried to life coach and NLP my way out of it i i a lot of the the strategies I had been employing up until that moment had all been ADHD-friendly strategies. I just didn't realize that's what we were doing. So, you know, when you when you're sorting out your you know your guard or your pyral disorder or working with a life coach to streamline the way that you do business so that things aren't falling through the cracks there, like. What, what I didn't realize is that's all the stuff that ADHD coaches do as well. So it's kind of just a different way of doing the same thing. Have I ever answered your question?
0: No, you have absolutely. You were obviously <laughs> trying to address things that you knew weren't right, but not through the lens of perhaps a lifelong struggle. You hadn't like for me it was uh, it was uh, pandemic, business downsize, lose assistant. And assistant for me, who's the creative vision type, as long as I can stay in that space of inspiring people, creating, uh, nothing falls through the cracks. It's amazing. Zone of genius. i I have
1: an assistant like that too, Leonie. You can never leave me. Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> and, and that person uh, left uh, because they wanted a more um, stable, you know, they went for something more stable and I was I thought I was okay, but I really wasn't. I could not get those little, I mean, so easy the work, so easy. Uh, I could not get it done. And it absolutely puzzled me, drove me nuts and burnt me out because of the shame cycle of getting to the end of a day and thinking, why can't I just put together the affiliate link and then schedule the post and then it it's yep. so easy. Yep. It's and not so even I hard. would just torture myself over these simple administrational tasks and that's not to belittle administrators because, in fact, that's a zone of genius of another type of brain. And oh, I marvel it. at the fact <laughs> that someone can prepare a list of stuff to get done, lots of little tiny jobs, and just tick through it. Easy you know, two, three hours, knock it on the head. I marvel at that person and they marvel at me. And I've since spoken because we've I've stayed friends, of course, and she's like, gosh, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I've always thought, wow, I wish I could be as creative with all the ideas and ways of doing stuff as Alex. And I've always been thinking, wow, I wish I could be as can do about all the tiny little things as that person is. And so that for me was number one. And then number two was uh, lockdown and having my family around in my workspace, uh, which just a reminder, folks, we've moved seven times in three years, landing in the Airbnb emergency rental turned into a lease, um, thankfully, but it's a 1.5-bedroom apartment and we did lockdown as a family with a teenage son. Uh, and look, I know a lot of people did it really tough, even tougher, uh, during that time, but for me, what it revealed was my complete inability to work. If I have any one in my workspace and it reminded me, wow, that makes sense because in my last corporate job, I had negotiated a world first of two days from home for the creative work I needed to do a week. I never understood why I was so passionate about getting these two days a week at home and no one could understand how I was granted that, but I got amazing work done and I kicked butt in that job Um, and and then things like that start to make sense, right? But the diagnosis for me came when we got Mr Retriever Rescue, 14-month-old, and he was in my workspace every day and I started crying intermittently um, and fell into a depression for the first time in my life. And I was like, wow, why? Okay. No, what? I didn't even know myself. I was in pain. I was crying all the time. My husband was super worried about me. And, and I thought, gosh, I've got to figure this out. And we had looked at ADHD for Seb, who's since been diagnosed Our son. Um, and interestingly, just like you with your hubby, I'm sitting there filling out the forms for the Vanderbilt scale that they give the teacher and then they give you as the parent and I'm like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of me at school. <laughs> yeah, I used mm-hmm. to get moved around mm-hmm. a lot. And so so much retrospective thinking started to happen that then uh, actually just, just to let everyone know I'm okay on the depression front, I managed to take Sammy, which was for me, an absolute miracle turnaround within three days. Uh, that was actually incredible to me. I had a bottle left from the mould, uh, you know, massive dispensary of experiments uh, cupboard, and um, and it really just changed my life so that I could at least cope and start to think about what to do with the situation. Buddy now has an amazing on Monday to Friday usually. Uh, while I work, and then we get to have fun in the evenings and on the weekends, and it's like the perfect situation. But all this to say, in that time, I realized, okay, so buddy starts to get active around 4 p.m. Like, let's have a play, let's do stuff, let's go for a W-A-L-K. And I'm saying it that way because he's <laughs> in the background. will hear uh, you. <laughs> and of course I've faffed around all morning trying to do things but not get things done and my zone finally kicks in around 3:30 so I'm now doing 2 hours of work to get 8 hours of work done by normal humans um but I can get it done in 2 hours because finally the wind is behind in in my sails or whatever that expression is ADHD people suck with expressions um and uh and then he's interrupting my zone And that was what was causing the breakdown because I was realising, oh, wow, I'm actually not going to get anything done today at all. Um, Whereas I always relied on that end of the day um, wind, second wind. So that is what made me realise, oh, and it's just not my son. It's, It's me too. I've got to actually explore this. And similarly to you, Jules, it was really about... Wanting the experience and wanting to be able to retrospectively say, hey, it's not your fault. Like have that goodwill hunting moment with my younger self and just love that person and say you did the best you could with what you had at the time.
1: Yeah, but that's when the grief process starts. Like, like mm. exactly that is when the grief process starts in Goodwill Hunting. That's like one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. I love Robin. Me Williams. too. Don't start me. Oh, I oh, know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Amazing human. Um, I think, I suspect maybe, you know, he had an interesting brain too. So that, but that moment in Goodwill Hunting, that's the moment of the breakdown. And then the grief really starts, and, and Matt Damon's character starts crying. And like there's a grief process that happens when you find out that, that, you know, you've got this sort of, you've got this ADHD diagnosis in your hand and you're like, finally, I knew I wasn't like everyone else. I knew I was a square peg fitting into a round hole. I knew this, I knew this, I knew this all along. But then there's also the moment when the penny drops and you're like, I will never be able to do those things That those other people do, I'll never be able to work an eight-hour day. I'll never be able to make myself do those tasks easily and effectively. I will always be sprinting for the finish line with two hours to go, trying to fit an eight-hour work, you know, like day in eight eight hours worth of tasks into two hours is our speciality. And and that that moment for me was like quite upsetting when I realised that there's really nothing I can do to ever be able to achieve
0: those tasks easily the way that other people do. And in I, you saying that, Jules, are you saying unassisted?
1: Unass- well, you know, unassisted. I At that time, I was like, well, maybe I'll try some medication. And that didn't work out for me. And then, you know, grief moment number two was when I was like, I don't think medication's for me. And then it was like, oh, Well, there goes my hope of ever being able to medicate myself into a state where I can be like other people. So, yeah, I actually had to sort of go through that loss twice. And there's a lot of bargaining. Like the grief, the grief of finding out that that you're an ADHD -er is there are like all those different stages of grief. Like the, I think there's denial at the start where you don't think you've got it. And then there's the anger where you're like, well, why didn't anyone notice? Why didn't anyone say anything? Why haven't women ever been studied enough that doctors can spot this or teachers can spot this? Like That's
0: scary, isn't it? You, you look back and you realise it's a little white boy disease.
1: Yes, And, uh, and that's like, oh,
0: my gosh, that's but, why we've all come out of the woodwork now because it, that time is over.
1: But also my husband got missed until mm. he was 50 uh, until one day, sitting outside a fish and chip shop in Ballina, his mum said to me, oh, yes, Jamie had ADHD, I think, when he was young, but he grew out of it. And I was like, <laughs> that was the moment that it all wow. began, because we were talking about another family member who had some mental health issues, and we were speculating over what might be going on for them. And it, that it turned into, oh, yes, I think Jamie had that too. But he grew out of it. I was like, wait a minute, I don't know a lot about ADHD, but I do know that you don't grow out of it. So let's just like back up here. What? Why do you think he had it? And and that's when it all started for us. But he got missed too because he wasn't super hyperactive physically. Turns out his hyperactivity is all sort of in the brain, like in it's all, you know, it's, it's, thoughts it's racing thoughts and also he's always been quite an athletic person so if he wasn't riding his bike he was surfing or doing other things and so like you know he was a, he was a push bike courier in Melbourne in the ni- 1990s early 2000s so he was always so physically active that I think no one really even noticed that he was a hyperactive type until he got a bit older
0: he was making and, his own dopamine factory every yeah,
1: day he was running it down and then by the time he got home at night he was happy to just sit on the couch and it it wasn't until he got towards 50 when he started like getting a lot of depression type symptoms as well and he was like I don't know what's wrong with me and anyway when mum dropped that bomb outside a fish and chip shop while we were waiting for our order I was like whoa 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 so yeah it's there there was a lot of grief and anger for him as well because he's like how did I get missed like I'm the white middle-class little boy like why did no one notice me and it's probably because there was someone in his class that was like more rambunctious and louder and more hyperactive and actually running around the room in circles and whereas James was just like talking to the kid next to him and not getting his work done which we now know are very typical but at that time it was just like you're lazy and you're naughty so and I was the same like if you look at my old school reports I was I was like, Julie will go a long way if she just knuckles down. She has so much potential,
0: blah, blah, blah.
1: blah." I literally had my first grade teacher, so my my year one teacher, on my last day of primary school, sought me out in the playground. So this is like five years after I'd had her as a teacher, sought me out in the playground, found me, grabbed me by both shoulders, and with her face right near mine, she said, you will go a long way in life as long as you learn to keep your big mouth shut. And I was like, "Woo,
0: Jeez. (laughs)
1: I I didn't, clearly. Hello. (laughs) And
0: And um, the mouth didn't shut one day ever since. sorry,
1: Mrs Lane, I decided to take option B, but thank you for your concern and I see why you were doing it and back then little girls needed, you know, to be seen and not heard and all of that. But anyway, it all turned out okay. But... All of those things were signs. Like if a teacher is grabbing you by the shoulders and giving you that, you know, somewhat misguided advice, that's because they'd seen something about you That and, and now we know what that something was. So, like, for me, the, everyone had, was always telling me in, you know, in my youth and, you know, in adulthood as well, like that I was intelligent. And that I would go a long way and I had all this potential, but I never, I I, I felt it, but I didn't live it. Like it was weird. It was like, I felt like I had something bubbling inside of me that was something akin to potential or intelligence or whatever. Like I knew I had a fast brain because I could, you know, think quickly and especially when I'm excited about something, or interested in something, like it fires really quickly. But then there's these really like just these, these everyday things that I sucked at for my whole life and there were times when I just could not grasp things quickly and I did learn slowly and, I, and so on one hand I felt like I had this intelligence and on the other hand I felt like there was something wrong with me and then it, that led to like a whole load of like imposter syndrome in life because it's like well people are saying that I'm intelligent but I think I've just got them fooled because I'm not intelligent because I can't do my taxes without help you know I can't I can't fill out forms without help like when I went to jazz ballet it took me longer to learn the dance routine than everyone else in the class and it's like well if I'm intelligent why can't I grasp these simple dance moves and it's because when you when you've got this beautiful ADHD brain there are strengths in there but there's also deficits in other areas and one of my deficits was that my processing speed was a bit slower so I've got this intelligence but the the processor doesn't work so I need to take a lot longer to learn things. Once I learn it, we are sweet. I'll never forget it, right? Like now, I still remember that dance routine, right? Mm-hmm. So you play the movie that quotes, song, I'm the there. songs,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: But but it took me longer to learn it than everyone else. And then when I went to college to become a naturopath, it was the same thing. Like other people, like we had to learn, like you know, each materia medica. Uh, block for herbal medicine we had to learn like 90 something herbs right their latin names their family you know their their species like everything like the actions their indications their indications their constituents like all these like right you just got to read it and you just got to learn it and else and I was spending so much of my time at uni going I'm not as smart as everybody else I don't know what's wrong with me why can't I do these things and so that wears down at you over time and so for me when I got the ADHD diagnosis I was fortunate enough that the first stop I made was with a psychologist. And when you get the diagnosis in Australia through a psychologist, you usually get quite a detailed report at the end, like there's an IQ test in there, but a special kind of IQ test that tests different parts of the brain. So that's yeah, and that's how I found out about this, you know, slightly not so good processing thing that I've got going on. But they're testing your visual learning, your auditory learning, like you, like you. There's, there's all these different types of activities that your brain does, and you start to see where your strengths lie, and also where the deficits are, and then that, that's going to help me to understand myself more, and maybe hopefully probably in time be a bit kinder to myself when I'm trying to do those tasks where the deficits lie. And as a business person, I will be aiming to outsource those tasks where possible, where where affordable, where it's, you know, where I can. But yeah, it's given, it has given me a, a like this understanding of myself, but then also it did make me quite sad that that's how it is like that's how my brain's going to be and if someone shoves a income tax form under my nose I'm always going to cry like that's just how it is now and and that takes a lot of acceptance but that's isn't that like the final stage of grief is acceptance right so you got to get there at some point once you get there it's like okay well how do we how do we work with this and then also how do we start like going for the things that are my strengths and like really doubling down on those things in life.
0: That's it, Jules. I, I found the same. Um, there, there are so many parallels from the school reports that you talked about. Uh, <laughs> I remember being carted into the principal's office with my mother at the, yeah, end of, <laughs> at the end of year 11 because he was perplexed as to how I was doing. I used to do this thing, right? Okay, so I was music mad absolute nutter. I played drums. I sang, I did piano, but I never did grades. My teachers learned very early on that that was never going to be a thing for me to go and practice my scales and sit the exam and do. No, my piano teacher was like, hold on. So you're telling me you want to do Rhapsody in Blue. I've currently got you pegged at about a grade six in piano and Rhapsody in Blue is concert pianist level. And I said, yeah, but I love it. So I'll practice it every day and for hours. It's fine. I can do it. I want to get this. And three months later, I was playing Rhapsody in Blue. But you make me play a sweet little grade three minuet uh, that I can't stand the tune of. And no matter how many hours I sat there in front of the piano, I just couldn't get it because I wasn't interested. Scales? Did you have to do Uh,
1: scales?
0: Scales, yeah. Uh, So then I wanted to learn the jazz scales because they were way more exciting and I loved the blues and, yeah, so I was always trying to do something different. But my point in bringing up the music lessons, because tangents are a thing, uh, is that I managed to engineer a term in year 11 where I somehow missed every single maths class that term because my evil plan to put all of my private music lessons Uh, which I was very grateful to have, but mum knew that that was like my passion. So that's where the extracurricular went in at the time. And um, I had gotten 78% in the test. And so I'm carted into the principal's office with my mum, with the maths teacher, The math teacher's practically in tears, going, "You are brilliant. You've figured out a way to do most of this without even having attended class. Imagine if you a were there, b paid attention, and c put your foot, you could be literally a mathematician." And I, I was like, "But
1: no, thanks.
0: I don't want to." (laughs) And it was, they just couldn't figure it out. They couldn't understand why I didn't want to try. I couldn't understand why I didn't want to try because, you know, usually ADHD is quite like going with what they're naturally good at because at least it feels like you can find some flow. But for me, maths was about not being given the rules and finding the rules myself. Like that was actually a part of the challenge for me. So I did love maths. Just on my terms, not on a learn the curriculum and do the kind of like the piano scales and the exams, couldn't do any of it. And, and yet, you know, when I did my IQ test, they were like, well, um, so there's no problem with the intelligence side of things. I was like, oh, thank God, because that can actually be a part of it too. So many years of shame in not being able to do basic, you know, fill out the form, do the tax return. Direct debit literally changed my life, uh, as did a local parking permit. I mean, you know, finally I was in the black because of those basic things um, that really, really torture ADHDers and... And I just I, I look back at all these things and I think, wow, you know, here I am. I've gotten an amazing IQ result. The only section I bombed in was the one where you have to re- relay the story, the basic story they tell. And uh, I'm there, okay. So the monkey was in the front seat, and uh, his friend was drive. His friend was driving, and they're like, "Are there any other details you might want to pop in?" <laughs> It's like, nope, that's no, all have, I got.
1: You kind <laughs> sucked
0: at the one where they give you the numbers and then
1: you have to relay the numbers backwards, like in reverse order. Oh, I and loved was, that, that one. So the... that was the short term memory thing for me, was just like not there, not there at all. So but I think I think we scored very similarly on other parts of this test. I think that I remember that's why we pattern got it recognition so
0: well. yeah. pattern recognition ninjas. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which I think is why it's really interesting that we both then get to work on this interesting puzzle because it's for me there's the balance of self-acceptance because, you know, the whole culture, like if we think about being a woman, culture is trying to make us not who we are all the time, trying to make us feel like we need to look younger, trying to make us feel like we need to, to, to you know, all the things. Um And so with ADHD, I think it's quite interesting because we have a a diagnosis of a um, a, a mental health challenge, condition, whatever you want to call it. I don't really love to give it a very formal name just yet myself because I'm still piecing it together as to what I feel about the whole thing. It's only been a few months.
1: Don't ask me whether I think it's a neurodevelopmental disorder or a neurotype or what I think because I think, like in similar way to the whole pyro disorder thing we were saying earlier, I think that it's going to change, like what, how we categorise it is going to change or maybe broaden or there will be more detail or maybe some subtypes even. So I think it's a bit of a watch this space. I mean, at the moment, like if you want the correct science, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. But is that it? Is that all it is? Like what else is going on and, and I don't know
0: and why
1: it's... did it happen and and is it a disorder and 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 like the the term ADHD grinds my gears as well because there's right? errors there's errors in there are plenty like the the it's not attention deficit f- for starters it's it's attention misplacement it's or attention, attention. selection, yeah. attention
0: it, selection as well. Yes, attention if I'm interested.
1: Attention disorder, but then hmm. is it a disorder? So there, there's the the naming itself is just a mess, and and then when people say they you know they want to be identified or you know they want to identify as an ADHD, I'm like, but there's the word disorder in there, and so I'm kind of like it's like I'm saying that I'm a disorder. There's just there's, there's so many problems with the way it's categorized and looked at at the moment. and I think that that will change. Like we don't need to
0: force it. it.'ll it will organically change over time. And I and- think we also therefore have to accept that different people with the diagnosis are going to feel differently about how they want to talk about it, present it, and share it with the world. And different clinicians who are at different stages of working with patients, some who've been working with patients for decades, uh, see it differently from each other as well. Like I really love Dr. Amon Daniel Amon's um, seven types. I genuinely believe that that is groundbreaking in the recognition that there are different parts of our brain receiving different amounts of energy for a variety of reasons uh, that we can enhance and redistribute as, mu- you know, to a point, but there may be lifelong uh, presentations in each of these different types of people and you know i also love the work of dr russell barkley like he is a champion for kids especially with ADHD and shaking parents and going, you think it's magically going to be the 20th time that you tell your child to brush their teeth in the morning, that that's going to be it, the time that you shouted that little bit louder is going to magically make it that all of a sudden they're going to do that every morning. That will definitely
1: get through to them. I think it's
0: so important that we have champions for people who struggle in different ways. Like that is so important for us to recognize. But for me, it then speaks to this broader uh, scenario where my um, neurotypical friend who can sit down and get a a basic to-do list done, but really um, has a passion for something, but just can't figure out how to get their business started, needs a person like me to then come in, ideation, get, you know, get them all jazzed on different things and show them where they need to outsource. Uh, to get a you know, creative juice right-hand man in the, in the picture. And like, we're all different at the end of the day. So I keep arriving at that as well. And is it our school system from the industrial age that has created this? We need people to be like this. And therefore the people that aren't like this have a deficit or a disorder. You know, that for me comes up as well. It's
1: not just school. Like our whole oh, work, our whole corporate. culture is not mm-hmm. set up for neuro, you know, yeah, it's not, it's and-
0: not, it's,
1: it's not, it's not set up for neurodiversity. Like you need to encompass neurotypical people, neurodivergent people. Like we need to embrace and encompass like both. Cause you know, like you said, like we, we all have different strengths and, and different attributes and, we can pick up each other's slack and and help and inspire each other as well. But the world's just not set up for neurodivergence at the moment, whether it's open plan offices or, you know, the way our our smartphones have become dopamine slot machines and schools, like you said, but like every, every time you turn, whether you're off to the supermarket or whether you're off to your job or like, or whether you're just sitting down in front of a screen, like none of it is really, ADHD friendly like it's it's going to have detrimental effects everywhere we turn because like if we are the minority uh, then the world is being set up for the 9 out of 10 or the 19 out of 20 or whatever I I actually think it's 9 out of 10 but at the yeah, moment I, agree. I think the official it's officially you know officially
0: like, one in five but really years, one in 10 yeah
1: yeah it's that's it so like at the moment they're setting it up for the 19 out of 20 people who want it set up that way and feel comfortable and effective and and that's that it's set up in a way that they can be more productive and the the world needs productivity so and then you've got us popping our heads up going I'm drowning here I can't live in this world and now you're stifling my creativity and then you're making me do these things that I'm not designed to do and then now I'm burned out and I can't be your creative spark anymore in, in this community. And like a lot of a lot of the clients I see who are ADHDs are seeing me for burnout or for mental health, like the comorbidities, as we call them, that go along with ADHD, the anxiety, the depression, the insomnia. The, the toll on the immune system, the toll on the nervous system, like the complete and utter burnout that turns into like autoimmune and chronic disease. Like these are the people who land on my doorstep because they've been trying to shove their square peg into the round hole for 45, 50 years like you and I have. And so that's, that's why I, I've, I've actually got a beautiful business coach who I had a chat with a few weeks ago. And we were talking about like, you know, marketing and focus and all of that sort of stuff. And I said, oh, look, you know, at the moment, like it's it's like I'm pivoting towards being someone who's like really doubling down on ADHD. And she's like, but you always were. You just called it anxiety. You called it burnout. You called it fatigue. You called it pyral disorder. Like you were always seeing these people. They were always my people. And sure enough, like a lot of my long-term clients who I've been seeing for years before any of this came up and turned into ADHD, right? These clients are now coming to me and saying, I heard you talk on that podcast and I think that's me too and I'm booked in for an ADHD assessment. And sure enough, they end up being welcomed into the club as well. And I'm like, they were always my clients, but I was treating them for in inverted commas burnout or adrenal fatigue or pyrrole disorder. But we've been roaming in these packs together for a really long time. And um, I don't, I'll, I'll butcher the quote, but uh, there's a really lovely podcast called ADHD AF and mm-hmm. the AF stands for as females. All right. Get your yes. minds out of the gutter, everybody. Um, <laughs> but there, there's two amazing, very cheeky, very bubbly, crazy, like, like full on Scottish women. Uh, and well, they're, they're both living in, I think, Aberdeen in Scotland. And anyway, they they're taking a break, uh, but they had this really emotional kind of last podcast for a little while. And, They were saying because they've built this huge community around their podcast. They've got a Patreon membership going and they've got this thriving community, mostly of women, sort of 30 plus, funny about that. And yeah, in in this very emotional sort of send off bit, there was this part where she said, you know, you are, we are no longer alone. But then she said, we never were. And I, I just like got, goosebumps like I was in the car listening to this podcast on my way to the gym and I was like nearly crying I was like we never were alone we but we were always roaming in packs like you and I were friends and we vibed with each other before we knew that we had this ADHD label we could put on it and call it a name like we and and it's the same with a lot of other people who've come and gone from my life or you know people I've been really close with it's like oh yeah we are the very similar type here so yeah. and do
0: you feel on that point if you look back at friendships female friendships did people fall away because at some point you became too much
1: um yes but they weren't really a 100% my people to begin with
0: yes so, that's the point though right so yeah. masking when you don't know yourself and for me and a diagnosis is as much about a personal exploration of the full sense of self as it is about anything else, like really going, okay, this is a fantastic added deep dive into who I really am uh, in my fullness without hiding any part of myself, without apologising for any part of myself, uh, simply just being myself. And I look back at friendships that have fallen away, a couple of ghostings that happened, uh, that felt tragic to me at the time, like really shit, people I thought would be in my life forever. Mm. Um, and being so confused by it at the time but now going, oh, my gosh, I spent <laughs> ages trying to pretend to be that type of person's person. Yeah, yeah. Or I think- wanting them to be my type of person so desperately and then it just kind of either fizzed or blew up, and uh, and that's really interesting to me when I then look at the people who stuck around. Um, yeah. Well, they we, were truly
1: your people, and and probably open-minded, and probably very accepting.
0: And it's and not about safe. that's it, and it's not about them having to have ADHD, Jules. That's no. what I've found. It's actually just about people who are compassionate to you as a whole person, who don't need you to be something else or you're a bit too much of this. And that is so liberating when you realise the natural cull that has occurred without you fully understanding it at times has landed you in a great place knowing these people are here to stay because they love you for everything that you are, even the bits that give them the shit sometimes. And I've found, I want to ask you this as well, that that has had a positive ramification on my marriage as well, me knowing my full self. Yeah. Yeah. we laugh a shed ton more now <laughs> and like i'll start going oh she's injured and then that means she's going to drop all her points from rome and then that means maybe she's not going to make ig maybe she's going to lose world number one like you know about my favorite tennis player this morning and ollie just laughs in a really sweet way and goes you are so sweet and then we just had this lovely hug instead of why the heck is she just going on about this tennis fight? like who gives a shit it's a sport, she's halfway across the world. But because he sees legit how lit up I am about that in my full sense of being, he appreciates that lit upness in a whole new light now that we understand it better. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's like James when he starts talking about Moto GP, which is the motorcycle GP. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like Yeah, babe, yeah, I'm so, I'm happy for you. (laughs) You're staying up till three in the morning to watch what now? Okay, good night. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, who won the race? And he starts going into detail about like what happened. And I'm like, no, just the synopsis, babe.
0: (laughs) That's one of the great ironies of the ADHD brain, isn't it? It's that you want to overshare to the point of crazy details and things that you find so significant to the full story. <laughs> Someone wants to tell you, you your story. You You're like, that it's yeah, not top line, please. To top others. line. Thank you. Just, yes, just,
1: it's... just, yeah. Yeah. Just what Synopsis, please. <laughs> but I, I think <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's making me laugh because that's just so funny. I,
1: I <laughs> think on on paper, like James and I are both finding out about our ADHD diagnosis. Each, each of us were, it's supposed to give us an understanding of the other person and and a way of being kinder to the other person. But then someone recently asked James whether I was being kinder to him since we both found out. And he was like, not really. <laughs> I was like, but is that because you harder. found out at the same time? He found out first and I was like a couple of months behind him. And I think after I found out, it, it got easier but also like we still frustrate the hell out of each other but now I think it we can diffuse the situation a bit more by just going oh maybe this is an ADHD thing or maybe we're being impulsive or maybe we're just being a bit volatile okay walk away but even when we like frustrate each other because someone forgets something or or doesn't do a task they were meant to do like in our house, we've nicknamed it an eighty moment. So it's like a seniors moment, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's an eighty moment. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. I did an eighty moment. Did an eighty thing. Okay, yep. Eighty, yep. Okay. And so, it's it's given us like a reason to kind of laugh about it a little bit, but I don't think it's fixed everything. Like I like, I think we're both still hard to live with. But we've been together for, I mean, we got married in 2000, so we've been together 25 years. We've been married 23 years in July, so something's working.
0: Mm-hmm. Something <laughs> is working.
1: Maybe it's just sheer stubbornness, but like we, yeah. Well, something... marriage
0: is work. You know, at the end of the day, there it is a constant work of hopefully art that gets better and better. Um, But I I think getting to know yourself better uh, means you can show up better in a relationship because, because of that, like it has to. I mean, if you're prepared to then bear all and be that.
1: Yeah, and even if we're not being kinder to each other all the time, we are being kinder to ourselves some of the time. And if you're being kinder to yourself, like that also diffuses some of the frustration in the relationship as a whole. I don't pretend to be a relationship expert by, by any note, by any stretch, but I mean, James and I have got a podcast together. That's all about ADHD now. And we've, we're enjoying doing that together. Like that's our, that's our little hyper focus project together. And every time we get an email or a social media message or a review on Apple podcasts or something that's positive, like we both think it's the best thing in the whole world. And, He's not a health practitioner, so he's never had that before. Like, and you you would know as well, being in your industry, you do, you don't get them every day, but you do occasionally get messages from people saying, Oh, that thing you did has really helped me. Thank you so much. And I file it, I file it in my in my email folder. There's a little folder called testimonials, and then they're all in there for a rainy day. When I'm feeling a bit down on myself, I open that that folder up and go, "Oh, look, I I, I helped some people at least." Uh, and well, so, but
0: a little praise goes a long way for the ADHD yeah, brain. It's huge.
1: It's hello dopamine hit. So now now they're coming in thick and fast for our podcast, our ADHD podcast, which is really interesting because we've had more messages in the last three weeks and I reckon I've had in my own naturopathy practice and podcast for like years And I said to James you won't get any messages via email he's like why have we got a contact form on our website and I'm like oh you just have to have one but don't expect any emails we've had several they just started coming in and I was like holy crap like This is really good. And like James lights up. And so he's got purpose now as well. And yeah, he's like, like I said, he's, he's had a lot of depression in his life, especially in the last decade. And as he's gotten older, like he still hasn't found his thing. He's float We even had an episode of the podcast that was all about how many jobs each of us had had. And I think he won and he's floated from job to job to job. And he's always like looked at what I do and he's like, Oh, you know, that's great because you've got purpose and you know who you want to be and you know what you want to do. And, and he didn't. And now when these messages come in, he's so chuffed. He's like, I helped someone like, you know, at least made a tiny little difference to someone's day. And he, he's it, like, you could just see his whole person just lift when they come through and that's that's so awesome. Like because now this is win-win. Like if it helps someone else out there, great. And if that person lets James and I know that it helped them, like we're all winning. And and I think doing like James and I've worked together before in the past. We've had business together and holy crap, we nearly killed each other on several occasions. And like we yeah, we it's we don't always work well together, but we're working really well together on this because like we we're, we're so keen to get our story out there and to interview other ADHDs and get their stories out there but just everyday people not richard branson type people like not let's like hack your ADHD and like turn it into your superpower and you can like have a six figure business too and don't worry like it's all going to be amazing once you work out like no 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 we're just like finding humans who with 88 you know like who with ADHD stories that are willing to share and who can put some positive spin on it at some point like talk about the struggles but also what what good things have
0: come from it as well yeah that's it and i think so let's talk about that because there's a bit of a a line for me and i'm sure you were like me where you 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 find out you get given the diagnosis you start to accept you start to review past present potential future and <laughs> um uh and you know then you start consuming you want to con- i mean you know you, we're we're quite similar here Jules so we consumed everything from every meme account on uh Instagram through to every research paper in neurology journals and everything in between and, um, I keep, I have this feeling it's like, it's just, it comes up where I'm like, Ooh, should I be me tooing on all of this? When does this actually sound like an excuse making club? Like what line do we draw on the toxic negativity aspect of everything that I can't achieve in my day or life is I can label that ADHD now, and there's a reason. And so I can feel comforted by that. And then the swing side of the ick is that this is your superpower, and da da da, because then that feels great in some regards when I am able to swing in my strength zone. But then when I have to feel the form out, I still feel like a stupid, good for nothing. And so in between the toxic positivity and the toxic negativity is a place I feel like I keep swimming around, you know, typical me, grey area ninja, I I find truth, more truth in the middle than in the extremes. Um, But how are you navigating that aspect of it?
1: I'm probably going to get a bit of of flack for this, but here we go.
0: Yeah. No, no, go for it
1: naturopath hat on I would say it's and this is something that nobody wants to say out loud but it's a little bit like the whole body positivity movement in that I am I I think all shapes and sizes of bodies are beautiful and you you know you can rock any shape and size and feel amazing but if i put my naturopath hat on if your weight gain is causing you health issues that could have been prevented like heart disease diabetes those sorts of things that are related to you know a larger body size then you know i'm not going to shame you but i really think that we should be doing something about it to help you live your healthiest life and a long life right i don't want i don't want people and a long to... healthy
0: life not a long yeah. degenerative chronic illness life so yeah. how
1: can we still motivate people to become a, you know a healthier version of themselves for like for health reasons without shaming them but also there there's there's a there's a very fine line there there's a, there's a lot of conversations, there's a lot of healthy debates and conversations that need to be had because, you know, they, there are people out there who, you know, if they take some action, they're going to live a longer and healthier life. Now, like I said, like, please nobody crucify me because, like, I, you know, I think all shapes and sizes are amazing. But that's,
0: that's the reality. Right. I, no, I see what you're saying, so Jules, because it's the same with ADHD then. It's the then.
1: same with ADHD.
0: And it's because exactly we, know, same. we know that if we develop a strong belief, it's still not necessarily a fact. And belief is not a fact necessarily. And so there's so many things. You know, I was interviewing the wonderful Peter Stapleton, who's uh, 25 years into um, uh, emotional freedom technique, tapping art science. And, you know, someone who believed they were terrible with names or terrible with, uh, you know, remembering their keys in the morning can tap for a couple of days on it and boom, they don't have that issue anymore. So I think it's quite an interesting time where we now really start doing the work on ADHD. I don't know if that's how you're feeling, but I feel like we're not at the end of the journey, having found out we have it, but I almost feel like it's the start yes. of, of something. And
1: and people are exploring what it means for them to be an adhd And there's also a lot of people out there who are autistic, who are like popping up on TikTok and Instagram, who are exploring what it means to be autistic as well and what it means to have a specific type of brain and like I love how the ADHD community are being so accepting and it's like yep can't can't get a job, can't get through my day, can't stop binge eating, can't stop this you know like can't stop being reactive. like the, you see a, a lot of you see a lot of people just unmasking and being themselves on social media. Um, and I but I also wonder that from a health practitioner perspective, and you spoke about it earlier, um, very quickly, like the whole neuroinflammation thing. Like, if we if we get your gut right, if we get the neuroinflammation down, if we get your nutrient levels up, if we start getting you to optimum health, like, does that change? the severity of some of these ADHD symptoms. So on one hand, like I'm really excited and it's like, that's what I'm, I don't know whether I butchered it a bit, but that's what I was kind of trying to get at with like the whole body positivity thing. It's like, I'm so excited. And like, it's so wonderful to see people like being their true selves and being their beautiful selves and being very accepting of that. But if it's to a point where you're so accepting that you don't try and make some changes for the sake of your health then i wonder whether there's an opportunity that's been missed there and with some of the adhd community i'm seeing people just like being like being their unmasked self and just like i can't do these things like i you know like i i can't hold down relationships or i can't stop binge eating or i can't you know i can't do like the basic things that are required to hold down a job or study or whatever. And I'm like, I'm really glad that people are talking about this and showing the world how hard it can be for some people. But on the flip side of that, like there's a part of me that is, maybe it's because I'm still in bargaining mode, but there's a part of me that's like, can we tweak this a bit? Like what can we do to, if that brain is on fire, what can we do to put that fire out or at least bring it down a bit? And are there things we can do with this person to ease their pain a little bit and to maybe help them to have like a fuller and healthier and happier life? Like even if it's easing their social anxiety, so they can go out and like have a nice night out with some friends without putting themselves through the ringer. Like, some of these comorbidities that come along with ADHD, like the anxiety, de- depression, the insomnia, the volatility, you know, like all of all of these things. Like, I'm not ready to accept that it has to be that way and that severity for everybody. I would like to think there are some things that from a diet and naturopathy perspective that we can do to help those people to live their best lives and to be in less pain that's all yes
0: I, I agree and I think uh to add to that it's then about making sure that we don't end up in a I can fix you narrative you are you, you, you know James did
1: that on the podcast he goes so Jules can ADHD be cured with naturopathy? And I was like, no, it Mm. cannot. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, because I have come to genuinely accept different brain types, different brain types, different parts of the brain, receiving different amounts of energy, and that happens for different types of people for different types of reasons. I actually really feel quite comfortable with that variability scenario. But does um, that brain type have to be on fire? It doesn't have to be on fire. Exactly. Right. So you can then work with the brain that you have to optimal optimize your health and give yourself every chance, just like any human out there, of having a good, strong, long, healthy life. And then playing to your strengths and then setting up strategies for the weaknesses and then maybe looking at medication if that's going to be a good thing for that person. And other people, it might be supplements. Some people might be combination of the two. Other people might be none of it. Um, but I genuinely feel like it's about finding that balance from individual to individual, about knowing where the gaps might be where we're not optimising. Um, for me, that's like heavy protein diet breakfast, especially, if I don't get that piece right, I really, really, really notice it. Yep. Big time.
1: Car- carbs for breakfast are not my friend either, Alex. Like, Unless seriously. I'm playing tennis
0: straight after, yeah. Um, then, you know, that makes sense from a nutritional perspective in terms of the energy that you need for that activity. But if I'm sitting down, you know, just popping up the road with the dog to take him through and they're coming back and working. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. has to be a triple egg scenario um, at the the minimum. And I think really starting to dig into how you can do your life best once you know what you know is the sweet spot between that toxic positivity, toxic negativity um, spectrum, I guess, that we see online.
1: And that's what I do with a lot of my clients now. It's like you said, three egg for breakfast scenario. It's balancing blood sugar. Is Mm. key for so many ADHDs who are trying to get through their working day or or get through
0: their day, however it looks. Yeah, because you don't want to add extra brain fog when you don't need to. You know, (laughs) and And so, but this is why some people, you know, so many people I've seen in the health space say, "Oh, yeah, you, you know, I got an ADHD diagnosis." I think some people were diagnosed and actually just had health issues of other kinds as well. Like there is. a false diagnosis scenario that people do grow out of in a sense because they weren't addressing some massive gut issue that was causing huge amounts of brain fog that then presented like ADHD.
1: Yeah, or their gut issue just turn the heat up on the brain type that they yes. had anyway. Like mm. sometimes it's it's really hard to know what came first. And that's that's actually why in the diagnostic process they go back and look to see whether you had it as a child, had these symptoms as a child, because if you didn't, like it's it is harder to get a diagnosis, like it's almost impossible. Like you have to have had it your whole life you had to have been presenting with these symptoms in one in one form or another your whole life you can't just turn up out of the blue and like i do i do know somebody who's in my circle who uh, has an ADHD diagnosis that has followed a brain injury, like those people are out there. They're 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 the outliers, obviously, but it, that can happen. But for everybody else, there you've either had it all your life or you haven't, which is why they want to hear about your school reports and they want to talk to family members as part of the screening process. So the, but I feel I really feel like that what's going on these days is we've got like. A diet and culture and lifestyle issues and you know you know like through your work all all the chemicals and all the things that we've got that with our poor old bodies are trying to deal with and the we're not giving nutrition. ourselves the
0: best chance are we not no.
1: really and so mm. it's it's turning up the heat on something that was already there and now this beautiful brain type that I feel like was always meant to be five to ten percent of the population population and and I do feel like we have so much to offer as those as those like pesky little people who come up with the ideas and spark things in other people and come in and rattle the cage a bit like we think differently and I love that and I don't ever want to be like a neurotypical person and I've heard a lot of interviews with ADHDs and when they are asked if they would like a neurotypical brain, most of them are like, "No, no, no, thank you." So, I feel like we're here for a reason, and this brain type is is around for a reason, and there are whole like evolutionary theories around that and what our Absolutely. purpose was. In the well, tribe. Not,
0: it is but no coincidence to me how how so many male ceos have adhd or um you know creative geniuses like i found out trevor noah one of my favorite comedians has adhd and you have become a lot of comedians They can tangent and they can (laughs) see the patterns that exist in society and bring wide stretches of tangents in home as a joke. But also
1: they're lacking impulse control, so they're going to be out there cracking the jokes without worrying about the consequences. Like a lot of us are funny, but... Some of us never try because we've got our masks on, or like our poor old, you know, not me, but you know, the poor old neurotypical brain goes, Oh, no, there's consequences if you open your mouth and say that. So it's probably yeah, best yeah. not to. Whereas I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm you stuff do. the words back into my mouth later. So yeah. it, it's <laughs> what is it? Open the mouth to change feet. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of the comedians are people who you know, were excited by variety and liked being on stage and liked the dopamine hit of being on stage. And they were motivated by getting that response from the audience and also they were lacking some impulse control, which really helped them to tell jokes. In fact, it was really interesting. When I took Ritalin, which I didn't like. um, Oh,
0: neither. Yes, (laughs) I tried that and it was like one dose and I knew did two more days and then was like oh no 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 Mm, I definitely know this one's not for me
1: you're not my Mm. friend so when I took it I went out for lunch with some girlfriends and normally I'm pretty quick on the old wisecrack like I'm I'm pretty quick on the old one-liner and I went out to lunch with these girlfriends and I literally had this thought process going in my brain before I would open my mouth and it was going at breakneck speed but in you know the slow motion version is hmm I could say this funny comment now. It would be funny if I said it. <laughs> I I wonder if I should say it, but mm, I can't really be bothered saying it. It's probably best that I just don't say anything at all. And I was sitting at this lunch, not cracking jokes, because this process would go through my brain, and I was like, this isn't me. I've lost my sparkle. Where's my sparkle? This isn't, I, I don't like this. I feel really beige. And like, on one hand, that would be like super effective if I wanted to sit down and write an essay, right? Cause I'm not being distracted. But I went home and I was talking to James and I was like, I don't know what is going on, but I feel like I was running through this filter. Whenever I went to open my mouth to say something funny, he's like, that's that's the Ritlin affecting your impulse control and I was like oh well then maybe I like having less impulse control maybe like I don't know if I want that changed about me I kind of like who I am
0: yeah I just want to
1: be able to answer my emails I don't want to be less <laughs> funny at lunches I, don't, I still want to be me can I just be like me but able to answer emails please and yeah. thank you
0: wouldn't the like, menu, oh. menu be lovely? Yeah, I'll tick that, yeah. that, and that. But yeah. I'll actually no, I won't take those two. Thank yeah. you.
1: Please can I have a yeah. drug that fixes this one thing but doesn't <laughs> affect any other things? And also, I don't want to crash at three in the afternoon. Cheers. Um. But yeah, like that. I I felt my personality change and. Look, you know, if you need the medication, you need the medication if you're in if 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 you're getting benefits from it, like I am in support of that. Like I'm I've got clients who are on ADHD meds and it's working for them. I'm happy for them. Like I'll work around that. And I had hopes for myself because like sometimes if I'm putting together a PowerPoint presentation for like a big speaking gig or I have to edit a podcast or answer those 17 emails that are blinking at me from the inbox, it's like, oh, geez, I, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Like, what would the neurotypicals do? But, like, I I didn't love the way it changed me as a person. And even my closest friend up here in Noosa was like, you've lost your sparkle. Where's it gone? And I was like, oh, geez, this isn't good. So... Yeah, I, I, and I've I've since heard of uh, another friend of mine who's had a family member uh, have very similar reaction as well. And on one hand, it was really great for getting study done, but on the other hand, it wasn't great for relationships like social, not in the home, I mean out there, social interactions with friends. And so there's a balance that you have to find and and there's sometimes a, the, there's a deal that you're going to have to cut you might have to lose something to gain something and you have to decide what's important. And for me, like being my sparkly self and being excited about life and that kind of like that zest for life. And, and that, that to me was more important than, and so now I'm back to not being on any medication and I'm wading through those emails like they're mud. And so if I can do whatever I can do naturopathically to keep things balanced at my end. So like you, you know, like get that blood sugar regulated, keep the the neuroinflammation down, keep the nutrient levels up, like balance the nervous system, like, you know, keep that gut happy. Because I know for myself, like if that bacterial overgrowth in the gut starts happening, like, my mental health and, and my ADHD symptoms go backwards. So for me, like a lot of it is all about keeping the brain fog at bay. And once I found the nutrients that I needed that helped with that, like that was a game changer for me. So like, I no longer, like there's a, there is a supplement that I take where like, that's got ornithine in it where I no longer get brain fog, but that's because my brain fog might be different to other people's brain fog. And, And I think my brain fog was a problem with ammonia excess and the ornithine deals with the ammonia excess and but being my brain fog was solved. But then I have other clients with brain fog where it's nothing to do with that. And theirs is more like a fungal overgrowth or a bacterial overgrowth or a food intolerance or whatever. So like I do... I I feel like it's going to be different for everyone, which is why I'm always very hesitant to tell people exactly what I'm taking. It's like, yeah, I take zinc or I take magnesium and I take these things. But when people want to know how much I'm taking or exactly what I'm taking, it's like, well, it's not not necessarily going to work for you. But if I, I, that's why, you know, I'm going to put my naturopath hat on. I'm going to like work tooth and nail to help myself and to, work out what works for other people as well, to to mitigate some of those other factors and to work on some of those other issues around the ADHD. So those, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the brain fog, the gut, those, you know, the inflammation. Like if we can get all of that balanced, then I feel like we can start, you know, feeling better about, how our brains work and maybe finding the good in it and maybe finding the superpower in it if we're lucky. Although like if you sat my husband down, we've had big debates on whether it's a superpower or not. And I think sometimes that is dependent on whether you've had a life that you're happy with or not or whether you've had opportunities that have gone your way or not or whether you're in a career that you love or whether you're in relationships that you love or not. Uh, I think people who see it as a superpower are probably emotionally, financially, relationship-wise, they might be in better places and that some of that's luck, right? It's not necessarily hacking your ADHD. And, and so, look, I, 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 I want to see it as a superpower, but I know it's not like that for a lot of people and some days it's like that for me and some days it's not. I think that we've got a lot left to learn on the topic there's a lot of subtypes there's a lot of there's a lot of drivers there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't have a handle on yet and like you know like with the brain fog thing can be caused by lots of different mm. drivers well there were
0: and a factors. lot of modulators like, as yeah. well yeah and then
1: the, and then we haven't even touched on the genetics and let's not because I'm so confused by all of that still but uh, <laughs> there's like there's genetics going on hello it runs in families there must be something going on so there's, there's so much that we don't know yet so it's like okay let's put the naturopath hat on and go what can we do and how can we make this person feel more comfortable? And how can we make them less inflamed? And how can we get their gut humming along nicely? And how can we get their magnesium and their zinc and the, you know, their iron and their nutrients up? How can we make them the best that we can make them so that hopefully the experience of being an ADHD is a little bit easier for them?
0: I I could not agree more, Jules. Uh, the, to not work on all of those things, we're doing ourselves a disservice you know, medicated or not. And uh, and I think um, there's so much we can learn about if someone is to go down the medication route. You know, I happened to just find one of those gold biochemists on YouTube actually explain the differences between the medications. And he showed very specifically how dexamphetamine allowed for the circulation or the, the prolonged circulation of All three, uh, norepinephrine, dopamine, and serotonin. Serotonin. (laughs) And, and, you know, and then Ritalin was just um, norepinephrine, dopamine. And it made me think, so why isn't every psychiatrist running a neurotransmitter urine panel before they decide? No, that was never. I mentioned it to the psychiatrist that um, took me through my diagnosis and she's like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know we could do that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I did that back
0: in mold days, which, which, you know, I I actually had low all three, which made a heck ton more sense why the dexamphetamine worked a lot better for me than the Ritalin. Uh, The Ritalin not allowing for that serotonin piece just made me feel sad and flat and awful. Yeah. And And if you look
1: at why you react positively to Sammy, it's, You're, exactly. you're talking about similar pathways so That's it. this the, the lucky thing here the, the the positive thing for me selfishly is that i'm not going to be out of a job anytime soon because these are all the pieces that a, a good naturopath nutritionist functional medicine practitioner integrative gp these are the the bits that we will pick up and run with and that we will be doing before it hits mainstream medicine and so yeah I get to keep my job for a bit longer um, it'd be also nice if at some point I didn't have to do this job because it was accepted in mainstream medicine it'd be nice if I was put out to pasture at some point uh, because I naturopaths are no longer needed because we have just one medical system that encompasses all but I think we're a very long way off that I don't think I'm in danger of being put out to pasture yet so Look, they're, they're the exciting things and the nerdy things that, that we can do that I'm really excited about nerding out on and digging into and hyper focusing on and trying out as well. That, and I think that's how we're going to learn more about why we have this problem and why it is a problem, why it has gone from being a brain type to being a disorder. Like, how, how did we make that jump? Is it a jump? Like, were we always? Did we always have one one, you know, one person in every nineteen or one person in every ten that had a disorder, or did it used to be that they had a brain type, and and they had a yeah. function
0: in the tribe? Yeah, exactly. And, they, and did
1: and so and can we take the sting out of it for people so that they can live a better life? And and also, I I want to I want to just you know be very clear that being super acceptive, super accepting of being an ADHD and having a brain like this and having these deficits and having these frustrations and limitations even in your life, being accepting of that, like having that radical acceptance and uh, about that doesn't mean you can't do things to try and make your life easier and ease the pain. So
0: Could not put it any better, you can Jules. You
1: still love all those pieces of yourself And also take some herbs to help focus or eat in a way that stops you having brain fog at 3pm, which might just ease your pain X amount of percent. And so you can still be super accepting of all the things that that make up you. And it's not like you're fighting against it. You're just trying to smooth it out a little bit so that you have a better life.
0: Amen. Uh, I'm going to stop it right there. uh, And... Uh, thank you for joining me. I'm also going to um, show you because we're on video, even though this will be audio only, what my um, focus strategy was <laughs> during our chat. <laughs> So what what I'm holding up to Jules is a sharpie because it's my post office day to send my books out, and I had signed a bunch of books, and the little um handle or is that what you call it like the little the, the, black the, thing the, the the pocket clip bit the, the pocket p- clip the, the bit pocket clip thing has now been detached from the main lid R I P pocket and clip and is also. Into pieces because I just twisted it and played with it the whole time. And you may have noticed that I started swaying a little bit towards the absolute Mm. end of our chat as well. I'm on a swivel
1: chair and I just, yeah, nice. I, mean, yeah. I have to make sure it doesn't squeak. <laughs> I've broken so many pens, Alex. We're we're so similar. But I have to make sure no one gives me a clicky pen because clicky pens oh, no, no, and no, podcasts no, no. Not do good. not that doesn't end well. So I have to have like swivelly pens that I can swivel quietly so that and that's the thing. This is the hyperactivity. This this is this is it. We're not running around the room like little kids on red cordial. But also we're not sitting still either.
0: (laughs) Never been able to, never once in my life.
1: But we got there. We got there. We did. We did. Dear listener, thank you for sticking with us. (laughs) Thank you for
0: sticking with us. Yeah, that was epic. Jules, thank you so much. Uh, oh, I'm very definitely welcome. sending everybody to your LD ADHD podcast. It's really gorgeous. Thank you. And, and very honest and lovely, compassionate, exploratory, curious, all the good things.
1: And my husband is piss funny, everybody. You just have to listen to it. For he him.
0: is hilarious. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you want some further resources on ADHD, I've also got a show that i'm doing fully exploring the topic myself um, in the next little while so you can catch that too thanks everybody for tuning
1: in thank you
0: and that is today's show thank you so much for tuning in a reminder we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days if this particular topic was helpful to you head over to lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented. So you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation. You can hit the courses tab on lotoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lotoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request. If you have time to leave us a review, wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.